This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. This is the Mark Madden Unfiltered Podcast from the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody. It's Mark Madden, the super genius here on the Mark Madden Podcast for the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. I'm joined as I am once a week by Tim Benz. And Tim, let's get to some of the bets right away. And by the way, the New York Jets will no longer be my pick of the week. <laughs> Zach Wilson has lost his starting job. Do you think that's temporary? It's obviously a reaction to him not being accountable for how bad he played in this past week's loss to New England. I do think it's temporary because I don't think they have any other really good viable options. Uh, and they're in a playoff chase. That whole division is in the playoff chase. So I don't think it's permanent. I think that there's a message sending going on here. Uh, I think it's awful quick to scrap a pick that high, a quarterback. Uh, if that's the case, if they're going to do that, well, gee, the Steelers will be thinking the same thing about Kenny Pickett by this time next year, potentially. Well, may- maybe sooner. Uh, Jerry Dulac noted on Twitter that the Jets benched Wilson, the Patriots benched Mac Jones. At one point, the Miami Dolphins benched Tua. Right. And when you look at some of the other things that Jerry said about what the veterans want, we can get into that in a little bit, or what the veterans wanted, at least at the time, with Mitch Trubisky. Maybe there's some discord over that. Let's get into that now because Jerry said in his mailbag on the Post-Gazette, somebody commented that the Steelers could have two or three more wins if Trubisky had remained the starter. And uh, Jerry said there are some veterans in the locker room that feel that way as well. I don't. I don't know what tri- what game Trubisky wins. That I think they have Miami? one more win. I think they'd have one more win. I think Trubisky's a better quarterback right now. I think they put Pickett in too soon. I think to say two or three more wins, though, is a, a bit dramatic. But as far as how the veterans view it, veterans don't want rookies to learn on their time. Look at what happened when Maddox got hurt and Ben came in and Alan Fanica said he didn't like it. Unless the rookie takes off like Ben did, I could see why that reaction would be there. A presumptive belief by the veterans that this guy would have figured it out as the rest of the offense had come along. But when did he go out, Mark? He went out in the middle of the Jets game, right? So uh, do they win the Jets game if he stays in there? I don't think so because the offense got better once he went out. I don't think that you can assume that they would win the Bills game or the Eagles game or even the game against the Bengals. Maybe the Dolphins game. That's that's the one game that comes to mind where maybe he would have made a difference. Yeah, and Trubisky did win the Tampa game. 
came in in relief after Pickett got concussed. Uh, and I'm also told that Trubisky is still livid about the way his situation was handled, how early he was pulled. I've been told he maintains that he got told by Tomlin he'd have at least through the bye week to you know, prove himself. And, and certainly he, he did not get to the bye week. Uh, he got pulled after three and a half games. Well, and and I'm, be, I'm also being told more and more that his argument with Deontay had something to do with it. Little stories like that corroborate logically, it. Logically, it shouldn't. But Tomlin plays favorites. We all know that. Especially if you consider that, what was it, two weeks ago, Tomlin made some comment about patience or being a patient organization, something to that effect. And it was like, as if he had already forgotten that he had benched Mitch Trubisky. Like, there was nothing After patient. three and a half games. Right. There was nothing patient about that. You know, watching the offense evolve or whatever it was he was talking about coming off of the Saints game or going into the Saints game. There's some comment he made at his press conference. That's what it was about the bye, you know, evolving out of the bye, so forth and so on. And it was just like he completely already has forgotten that Trubisky was the starting quarterback at the beginning of the year. Well, that last press conference he had uh, just this past Tuesday, it was the height of his career as a horseman or salesman. And, you know, he's hit some pretty incredible heights before that. Like when he said Deontay's not getting the ball because the other team is basically double covering him to the point where he can't get it, that's such a crock. A.B. got double covered. He got the ball. Heinz Ward got the ball. Well, not only that, Mark, but he said that in the wake of every newspaper outlet in Pittsburgh or blog that covers the Steelers doing some story or another about how Deontay Johnson is the most open receiver in the NFL. Yeah, I don't know that that's true. I mean, I'm not going to watch the video, and I don't trust pro football focus. I do know that Deontay's best three games this year were with Mitch Trubisky throwing him the ball. The first three games of the year, he's not been over five catches since. There's some sweet irony there, ain't there? Deontay yells at Trubisky, maybe help get him benched, and ever since then, Deontay's on the pay-no-mind list. I love it. That's uh, maybe something that Johnson should have been more acutely aware of while it was going on. I mean, the devil you know versus the devil you don't. Tim might have told him, but he boxed me on Twitter. <laughs> Is that right? Yes. First block he's thrown. Now, getting to some of the games, uh, let's go college football first. Ohio State is a 7.5-point favorite at home against Michigan. Uh, both are 11-0. and Um I think Ohio State is a class above Michigan. I think Ohio State and Georgia are a class above everybody. That's fair to say, uh, especially with some of the struggles you've seen, the little up and down dips that you've seen from the top end of the SEC in recent weeks. I like Ohio State in that game. If you want to feel secure about it, go ahead and buy a point or half a point. You can do that at Bet Rivers. If you want to get off the hook at seven and get it to six and a half, but you know with the eight points such as it is, uh, people go for two oh, all the it, time. Is it eight now? No, no, no. I'm saying like if, if some people just look at the seven point kind of old fashioned. I thought want, it was seven and a half. That's the what last I'm saying. Time I looked, yeah, yeah. So if, I'm saying if you don't want to, if you don't care about it being at seven versus seven and a half, leave it where it is. Take Ohio State. I'd be comfortable with that. Like you, for as good as Michigan is and as well as they played this season, I still think Ohio State can beat them by a touchdown. Who's going to be in the playoff? I thought it might be three SEC teams at one point. Uh, Maybe now only one. And I'm not sure if that's fair because I think the SEC teams are good teams beating each other. I think if only one team gets in the playoff, the SEC is being penalized for having a lot of good teams who, who have to play each other. Yeah, but with that set up the way that it is, Winning your conference has to mean something, doesn't it? I mean, 
if it, you're going to limit the pool. Tim, Tim, I am long on record as saying the playoffs should be four conference champions. Yeah, so I'm saying that I don't feel bad for the second, third, fourth place SEC teams. Now, I, I get your point. Like, you think that those are the best quality teams, the most talent. But at some point in the format such as it is, winning in the regular season has to mean something. Now, let's look at some NFL games. We've got Tennessee getting five and a half at home against Cincinnati. How is Tennessee the dog in this game, Tim? I'm, I'm starting to believe in Tennessee a little bit. And here they are, the underdog in this game. Well, I like Tennessee in that game. Where'd you see? Uh, I see Tennessee right now getting one and a half. That's what I said. Tennessee. Oh, you, you, you said one and a half? I thought you said five and a half. No, no, Tennessee, a point and a half underdog. Yeah, um, I'm surprised at, at that. At home. Yeah, I would take Tennessee in this. Uh, I know there's. they always have quarterback concerns. They have some banged up question mark players, but uh, I still go with Tennessee. I like that one. I don't know if I'd make that my pick of the week. Maybe people are getting high again on the Bengals because they did what they did to the Steelers, but I think the Steelers made some tactical um, bonehead moves thought process. That's another, no. that's another thing that came out during the Steelers press conference with Mike Tomlin, Mark, when he talked about how they kind of did the dominoes thing. Like, you know, they were keying on Mixon and then Mixon went out and they started keying on Boyd. God. Why? Like, T. Higgins is the much more explosive, dangerous player. Well, yeah, but if it's so easy to cover Deontay so he never gets the ball, why can't they do the same to T. Higgins? Yes. Why don't they just say to their D-backs, okay, watch what they're doing to Deontay and do the same thing to T. Higgins? I think there are some, myself included, who do the fantasy thing and say, why isn't T. Higgins putting up bigger numbers, especially with Jamar Chase out? Well, you see what happened when somebody paid attention to Boyd first. Now, my pick of the week is San Francisco, minus five and a half at home against New Orleans. And this applies to Ryan Tannehill to a lesser degree, but can we finally say that Jimmy Garoppolo is a winning quarterback? Well, I was thinking about this. So he's gone to one Super Bowl. He's gotten to another NFC championship. It's not out of the question that the Niners could at least get to the NFC championship this year. I think they're one of the top two teams in that conference. He'll never win a Super Bowl, probably. Well, but, if he gets there again, you I know, mean... Like he's getting into the neighborhood where Matt where Stafford was. won one. Right, yeah, good point, but I think Stafford is more natural talent than Jimmy Garoppolo does. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a winner. Uh, I look at, like, for instance, Roethlisberger got to three Super Bowls, and how many AFC Championship games? Four out of those? Five. Like, so if, if Garoppolo keeps winning with the Niners, like that's that's not as far distant from what Ben did until you get to the Super Bowl wins. That's the difference. It, which is which is big. It's pretty big. But but I'm saying like when you get your team that far, and you're, I don't think these Niners teams are as good as Ben Steelers teams, but we just act like he's in a different galaxy as a quarterback. I'd take Ben seven days a week and twice on Sunday, too, but I mean, like, I think it's time to stop mocking Jimmy G is what I'm getting at. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at, too, and uh, I, I think the Niners really did themselves dirty by giving up all they got to draft Trey Lance, who, I mean, how can you think he's not a bust? Right. He's clearly still not ready to play. Not ready to play. Uh, can't stay healthy. I mean, I know injuries dog Garoppolo, too, but that was a lot to go after a guy who was a project. Now, here's a game, Tim, I'm personally invested in. Tampa Bay is uh, giving three and a half points at Cleveland. I need Cleveland to lose so I can sell fourth in the North t-shirts here in Pittsburgh. Uh, right now, Cleveland and Pittsburgh both three and seven. I need Cleveland to finish third so I can do the fourth in the North t-shirt thing. I have money that I bet on the Steelers at the start of the season, an exact order of finish bet on them being third. So I have to root for Tampa in this game. To uh, keep, screw you. To keep... 
the Cleveland Browns suppressed in last place. Is Tampa going to have a renaissance here with Brady? Or are they just in a bad division and it looks uh, that way? I, I think that's the, the last they, thing. They can win the division, right? They can win the division, kind of like the Niners can win the West, even if this isn't the best edition of the Niners. Um, I, I think by the end of the season, we'll see Tampa be like a 9-8 and eight South winner over a 8-9, and 7-10 Atlanta and, team. And maybe win a playoff game. They could win a playoff yeah, game, Brady yeah, sure. Yeah, with his guile. I mean, they might get a real bad matchup if they're 9-8, and eight, though. Well, wait, no, hold it. Division winners could see the one through four, right? Yeah, so they'll probably get, if they were to be the fourth team, the fourth division championship team, right. they'll get the top wild card team, which will probably be second in the NFC East with the way things are going. Yeah, which so, would be a winnable game. Which will essentially be, Mark, likely the winner At of Tampa the, Bay. Yeah, it will likely be the winner of this Thanksgiving Day game between the Giants and the Cowboys, if you want to That's going to be the Cowboys. I think Dallas is coming on. I think the Giants are fading. That's a weird game, isn't it? Like, I love... The the Cowboys straight, but I like the Giants getting nine and a half. Yeah, well, it, it's by the time people hear this, it'll be played. But yeah. Oh, okay. We're, sorry, I thought we were. Airing no, no, we the, can talk. We can know anything we uh, want. It's right. just a podcast for God's sakes. Uh, Washington uh, minus four at home against Atlanta. Can every team in the NFC East make the playoffs? Can any team? Can every, every team? All four. What about all eight? Get all from three wild cards. What about all eight from both Easts? I think it's possible. It's possible. Uh, isn't Washington going to start losing, though? I keep waiting for it, but I saw a couple stumbling blocks where I thought they distanced themselves in the negative way from the rest of the division, and it hasn't happened yet. Is Ron Rivera a good coach? Because I've always considered him to be in the meathead mold of Mike Rabel. I see him as a good make-the-most-of-what-you-got coach. Well, he's doing that. You know, and I think he made the most of, like, Carolina for a couple years. I, I, I think he can... I never look at Ron Rivera as a difference-making coach. I see him as a coach that can take a mediocre team and make them good, which is what he's doing now, which is what he's done at Carolina. L.A. Chargers minus 4.5 at Arizona. Why are the Chargers so mid And Justin Herbert? I, I thought they had a chance to win the Super Bowl. I know they've been plagued by injuries. They're always plagued by injuries. Like They're one of these teams that always seems to have injury problems that cost them not only the division, but also the last wild card. I I thought the AFC was soft enough at the bottom that I could feel confident in them, in them being the 6 or 7 seed. I'm not. Uh, now, they would be a team that I could still look at and say they got a shot to prevent the whole East from getting in. But aside from them, Mark, it's just the Bengals. Now, this is supposed to be the easy part of the Steelers' schedule. So why are they 2.5-point underdogs at Indy? I like the Steelers this week. I like them on Monday night. What, to win or to, to, to cover? I like them to win. If you want to give me the two and a half or a field goal or whatever, I'll take it. But I like them to win because, now I might be contradicting myself just in my explanation, because I don't know how good of an idea it is for Tomlin to insert himself as a game day tactician or strategist. Yeah. But I think he is going to be so tight over there this week. I think he's going to treat this week like the friggin' Super Bowl. Because he's coaching against Jeff Saturday. Bingo. Because it's the Hall of Famer against the amateur. Bingo. Yeah. Well, that makes that's a good storyline. Uh, I think th- I think it's the storyline of the game because and you've made a good point. I agree of this, that Matt Canada has been the be all end all for catching criticism. The great Satan. Because you know, there's this faction of the t- the Steeler fan base that never wants to blame the defense for anything. There's a faction of the Steeler fan base that doesn't want to blame Pickett for anything. The national media never wants to blame Tomlin for everything. So everything goes to the offensive coordinator. But if he loses to Jeff, it's going to be about him losing to Jeff Saturday. 
not the Steelers if that happens. It's Mark Madden with Tim Benz here on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Tim, I want to talk about uh, Heinz Warren, James Harrison being semifinalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, does either one have a chance? I think that Heinz has a chance. I don't think it's going to happen. I just think that the wide receiver position is too statistically dominated. But if you look, the weird thing is, if you look at the numbers, he's not as outlandishly out of the mix as some of the stats indicate. No, no, he's in the all-time teens in a lot of categories. Right, that, that's not bad. Right, there are guys below him statistically in the Hall of Fame. I think if you granularly drill it down and you see consistency and want to use consistency against him, I guess you can. But if you're going to do that, then it almost makes an argument for Harrison, who was dominant over a shorter period of time. You know what I mean? So like, if you're going to argue one in one way, you have to argue against the other guy in the same direction if you're going to do that. And I am willing to do just that. Uh, <laughs> Ward has a thousand catches. He was a great blocker, although I, I think that's overrated in terms of that being a credential for the Hall of Fame. He was Super Bowl MVP, so he had the one big moment. What's he lacking? Why won't he make it? What will the voters hold against him? I think it's a big play, eye-popping catch kind of highlights. I think, like you said, most people think of highlights of Heinz Ward, and you know they think of him catching a wide-open trick pass in the Super Bowl for his MVP. They think of him knocking players out with blocks. Like you think of Lynn Swan, you think of Super Bowl Ten. You think of Jerry Rice, you think of all the Super Bowl catches. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if he carries... I can think of some as a Steelers fan, but I don't know if John Q. Voter, who covers the Packers, thinks that way. Tim, as someone who's covered the Steelers his whole life, I can't think of many. I mean, I think of him leaping into the end zone at the end of that uh, pass from Antoine Randall-L to win the Super Bowl against Seattle. But but even that, like you said, he was wide open. It was an ordinary play. Uh, but I, Mark, you know what? I, I think the one thing that goes in Hines' favor is, much like it was for the Steelers of the 70s, if you're a really good team and a 10 to 15 year era and you were there for the breadth of that time and a lot of success is associated with your name then you kind of tend to get elevated there are yankees in the baseball hall of fame there are celtics in the basketball well, well, yeah but that gets reversed too tim because i think some people voters might just feel there's enough Steelers in already are there enough in yet from that team i don't know that they differentiate that closely because you're saying so that that team is basically who's in now bettis troy Fanica, Cower, and will be Ben. Is that too many? No, that sounds about right, though. I mean, I'm not outraged that Hines, you know, probably won't get in. I won't be outraged if Harrison doesn't get in either. And Harrison was Defensive Player of the Year. He had that 100-yard interception return in the Super Bowl. So what's Harrison lacking with the voters? Uh, longevity of dominance, I think. Yeah, it's amazing. He played 14 years. But he was a scrub at the beginning and a scrub at the end. I'd say in the middle, like he had a short prime, maybe seven years. So 2007 to 2011 ish, somewhere like yeah, four or five years. Where he was really, really, really good. good. Really yeah. good, yeah. And then two more where he was like legit. Yes. Like four or five where he was among the best defensive players in football. That's that's about the range where I would put the, the spike of his career. But, you know, there are guys in the Hall of Fame who were only good for about that time, too. Well, Especially well, at that position. It begs the question, could the 100-yard interception return in the Super Bowl get Harrison in the Hall of Fame because that got Bill Mazeroski in the home run to win the 1960 World Series? That said, 
Mazeroski was the best fielding second baseman ever. I'm not sure we can attach Harrison to anything uh, remotely like that. But he still got in on a veterans committee. Like, you know, that might, it might take sort of like a Donnie Shell kind of vote to get those two guys in. Or that deal when Cower got in. And I'm not saying this is why Cower got in, but didn't they induct the equivalent of an extra class that year? You know, some kind of anniversary deal? Yeah, they did do that, yeah. But I I think part of that, too, was they realized they were having a backlog of players because, like, when you have 22 players on a team, if you're part of a good team, a lot of people are going to get in from that team. It's more than baseball, it's more than hockey, it's more than basketball. So like, I think residue from success of the team trickles down to individuals to make the arguments all the stronger on their behalves. And I think Hines and Harrison are both very good examples of that. Now, now get back to Hines for a second. Andre Reed is in from Buffalo. He's a receiver. Ward has the same stats pretty much. It's it's amazing how similar they are. Does that mean Ward should be in or that Reed shouldn't? And what about the eye test? Because I saw both play. I think Reed was better. I think, not, not by a lot, but a little. I think Reed was more dynamic. And I think Reed, more of a playmaker. Yeah, and Reed was a part of a team where the offense was the bigger story. But even when you get to team success, you could say, well, Andre Reed was in four Super Bowls in a row. <laughs> All right, well, Hines got there in three of them you know, and got to a couple AFC championships along the way before that, too. Well, Hines won two. And won two, and Reed didn't win any. Yeah, you see, I think— see, like, you know, I'd, rather, I'd, rather, I'd rather vote for the guy who won two than the guy who lost four. I'm one of these guys, when it comes to Hall of Fame discussions, where if I can't think of that team that was dominant in an era without that player, I lean to yes. I lean to the word fame in Hall of Fame— if I hear Hall of Fame, to me that means, were you part of the fame of that great team? Or right. Can you tell the story of 10 years of football that you played without mentioning your name? Are you immediately remembered? And I think Ward and Harrison are both really remembered for those Steelers teams. I think more by fans of the Steelers, though, than the, the general citizenry, don't you? I don't know, Mark. I'll use the Buffalo Bills example as a counter to that. Like I was not a Bills fan, but I can go through... Eight or nine names in the Bills, ten names in the Bills, and I'm not leaving Andre Reed and Cornelius Bennett off any of those. You know what I mean? So, like, maybe Bennett's not a great example, but Bruce Smith, um, I, I think that you can go really deeply onto a lot of rosters and find players that have gotten to the Hall of Fame because they're on good teams that aren't as good as Ward and Harrison or as recognizable as Ward and Harrison. I also hate when we match up stats, like like I'm doing right now with Ward and Reed. That's the way you get too many people in the Hall of Fame. I'm a big believer in eye test. I'm a big believer in big moments. Well, Ward was big moments, even if he wasn't necessarily eye test, because eye test might say that he wasn't the most dynamic wide receiver or the most athletically gifted wide receiver, so he's got at least one, but you know, again, if you drill down on the stats and you see who's gotten in, and you see some of the players who are behind him in some of those stats, especially if you do the sliding rule of passing era football, he matches up. Or like there's Don Hudson and Bolitnikov and guys like that. Don are Hudson, you know, like I mean, <laughs> but these are guys who are measuring sticks in their era for wide receivers, and he was part of the early boom of spreading out to passing stats, even if his team didn't do a ton of that. Well, do you agree that that voters don't care about Ward's blocking? Like that when Ed Bouchette, well, I guess now it's Dale Lolly, when he stands up at that meeting and campaigns for Ward and he brings up the blocking, 
that most of those voters just kind of roll their eyes and say, oh, that is so Pittsburgh. Uh, because- okay, then they better not vote for Anquan Bolden either. What do you mean? Because that's part of the reason why he's a semifinalist. Because of blocking? Oh, yeah, he was a good blocker. Yeah, okay. I'm and gonna- that, that gets brought up a lot with him, too. Uh, you know, the fact that I never heard that indicates that a lot of people probably never heard of it about Ward outside of Pittsburgh. And here's always been my attitude on Hines' blocking, which was great. Let's say in the best year Hines ever had blocking, it got the Steelers 70 extra yards. And that is probably a generous estimate. Who cares? That's chicken feed. I think it's more an image thing, Mark. The, no question. You know, the, the image of who the Steelers are, what made the Steelers, he brought that defensive angle to the offensive side of the ball with Fanick and Bettis, who are also in. I think that's a big part of it. Toughness, you know, edge, grit, all that. I'd give Harrison a slight edge over Ward. If I had to bet on one to make it, I'd bet Harrison because Ward was never considered a very top wide receiver in his era. Harrison was a little closer to that on defense. The counter to that is one thing that Hines has going for him that Harrison doesn't. The media liked Hines. I didn't. I still Nas- don't. National media loved Hines. That's true. That's because he catered to the national media. And Harrison didn't like the national or local media. Harrison didn't like anybody. <laughs> didn't like anybody. Didn't like me. I know that. Uh, didn't like me. I know that. Is Tomlin a lock to make the Hall of Fame someday? Yeah, I think he is. Do you think he should? Different question. If Cowher's in, I guess he's got to be in. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure Bill should be in, but I'm glad he is. Yeah, I, it's a strange trajectory that Tomlin is on. You don't usually hear a lot of arguments for coaches who peaked early, do you? And he peaked real early. He, pre- I mean, he peaked real yeah, early. I, I've said that the last 11 years, when he had a lot of resources and only won the three playoff games, that is a bigger critique of his career, a bigger negative than what's going on right now. See, I'm thinking What's going on right now happens to every team and every coach sooner or later, but he wasted the last 11 years. Is there a coach that can match what Tomlin did as far as being great early and that mediocre late and still be a Hall of Famer? I'm thinking, I'm trying to go through my head of guys, and I'm sure people can find examples, but coaches who are rocket ships early and then really nothing all that much for the last five to ten years of their career. Dan Bosma. Different sport, but yes. <laughs> but I don't know if Dan was a Hall of Famer. Well, oh, Dan was more right place, right time than, than he was a great coach. Mark Mann with Tim Benz on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Tim, uh, we've seen some World Cup games now. Who looks the best so far? Uh, France killed Australia. Uh, France is the team I bet on before. Uh, they were the third favorite at plus 770. They got Mbappe. They got Benzema. But boy, some of the upsets. Uh, Saudi Arabia beat Argentina. Uh, Not long before we taped this, Japan beat Germany in a battle of the Axis powers. Uh, It's crazy, and I I can't help but wonder if it has something to do with the World Cup being in November in the middle of the Pro League seasons. I would agree with that. I mean, we talked about how that impacted hockey when they did you know, the World Cup and when the Olympics came around. Um, how that would influence international competition. Now, I'm not tracking this like you are, but and, the, and influence the leagues uh, what, before and after. What about Spain beating Spain beat Portugal seven to nothing or something like that? No, it wasn't Portugal. Uh, it was uh, a lesser Costa nation, Rica. Costa Rica. Yeah, that's that, you know. That, was that supposed to happen seven to nothing? Yeah, Spain's real good. Costa Rica is from Concacaf. Like that's the one flaw in the World Cup, but it's also one of the strengths of the World Cup. 
every nation has a chance to make it, you know, because the qualifying is very thorough. But we take too many teams from certain parts of the world and not enough from others. For example, the idea that Costa Rica qualified and Italy did not is just absurd. That's sort of like what we talk about sometimes with the NFL playoffs, right? Where you get a really stacked division in the third place team. What we're just talking about with the SEC. You know, it's the same concept as the SEC where they might have five teams that are better than the next team after Ohio State, but you're only going to get maybe one this year SEC team in. Uh, I don't think any SEC teams will make the World Cup knockout phase, that's for sure. Uh, Never rule out Nick Saban, Mark. By the time uh, people listen to this, the U.S. will probably have already played England. That is, well, maybe not. That's on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Did you watch any of the U.S. tie with Wales? Uh, I did not, no. uh, uh, Yeah, you didn't miss much. I mean, the U.S. gave away what should have been a 1-0 win with a a bad foul in the box to give away a dumb penalty late. Uh, 1-1. England, I think, are going to kill him. But like I said, uh, you'll probably listen to this after that fact. Now, here's one for the layman, Tim. Would you change any rules in soccer? We had a debate about that on my program. Aside from letting them use their hands, I don't know. I mean, this is this. <laughs> no, Tim, they can't. You can't have more than just the goalkeeper uses hands. I think that would be the first one that would come to mind. But um, why? What was the one? Tell me the one that you're. Everybody you're wants. To, over. Everybody wants to change offside to make it more liberal. Like offside is you have to be even or or you know shy of uh, two defensive players, including the goalkeeper. Uh, one guy made a suggestion that isn't terrible, which is which is if any part of your body is even with with the last two defenders, then you're on sides. As opposed to now, if any part of your body is not even, you know, like even if your shoulder mm-hmm. is out front, you're offside. But uh, let me ask you this: what's the what's the thinking behind the concept of having that still be the system for onsides, offsides versus a line like you have in hockey? Because well, it always has been, and it always should be. I mean, that's just soccer. Like one thing I I. I've always maintained as a lifelong soccer fan, we don't need to change the game for more goals so America's happy. You know, as a soccer guy, I'm perfectly content with the way it is. To draw the hockey analogy again then, what would be akin to a soccer move of getting rid of the red line as part of offsides? Well, Tim, there is a line that's part of offsides. It's the center line. Like, you can be uh, behind the defense if you're shy of the center line when the ball is kicked, when the pass is made. Uh... Uh, my, my favorite club team, Liverpool FC, we often exploit that because our goalkeeper, Alisson, from Brazil, uh, is great at, you know, punting the ball. And he'll hit like a line drive after catching it to Salah behind their defense. It's it's worked on several occasions. So that that's the line. But I, I just don't see any need to change any of the rules. I, I just don't. I think it's fine the way it is. I'm not all that advanced in soccer rules. I don't know anything about soccer rules, but I'm open to the liberalization of offsides as a concept if it makes the game flow better. Not even just the scoring mark, but the game flow. Do you find that game flow is interrupted too much by offsides? No, or no, no. no. I, I mean, but I'm just a, a purist, you know, for soccer. I mean, it, it's funny because I'm a big fan of hockey, too. Those are my two sports. The one thing I would change in hockey, I would make the net an inch wider and an inch taller. Because you would never be able to see the difference, but the shots that hit the post would now go in. No, that's a, that's a good point. I've heard that advance before. Now, would they figure out a way to counter that with more goalie equipment, though? That's what's always happened. If they would make the equipment smaller, like it used to be, I'd leave the net 6 by 4 But, Tim, there I go, trying to radicalize hockey for the sake of more goals, <laughs> when I don't want to have that happen with soccer. Well, one of the soccer note that came up to me, like I've, I've heard soccer fans sometimes talk about this, is 
Well, what triggers the penalty kicks? Is, are sometimes the fouls that trigger <clears throat> penalty kicks too nebulous or too punitive, do you find? Uh, well, the one the U.S. committed was obvious, so sometimes they're easy. Uh, yeah, I had somebody call the show and say that that should have been a penalty because of the stage of the game with the U.S. ahead 1-0. But, you know, uh, to me, as I say in hockey all the time, a penalty is a penalty. You know, whether I, it's the World Cup or whether it's, I've had some, I've had some people also suggest that the, that a foul that's like on the edge of the penalty area, like just inside, shouldn't be a penalty. Okay, then what do you make it? I mean, if you if you wanted to make the penalty area slightly smaller, I wouldn't have a problem with that. That's where I think sometimes basketball gets into trouble. You know, like where is it a charge or is it a block? And then you have designated areas on the floor where you're just creating the same nebulous argument about the space on the floor instead of the contact and when it happened. Well, I hate basketball, so who cares? That's Tim (laughs) Benz. I'm Mark Madden. This is the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. And don't forget, bet now from anywhere, from everywhere. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week. Available on the Bet Rivers Network, betrivers.com, and wherever you find your podcasts.